Hello and thank you for joining this week's Fearless STEM Careers. This is the podcast that equips you with tools and advice to be fearless in creating a happy, fulfilling and empowering STEM related career, which means anything linked to science, tech, engineering and maths. I'm Hayley Loren, a STEM career coach, award-winning renewables engineer and presenter as featured on BBC Earth, Smithsonian Channel and New Scientist Live, plus founder of Hayley Loren Coaching, which provides STEM-focused career coaching. Each episode, you'll be joined by me, Hayley, and often a special guest to give you clear, actionable steps and advice on creating a career you truly want, whether that means making a career change, getting a promotion, trying to find fulfillment, or simply feeling clearer in your career direction. This is the place to open your mind, get inspired, and be fearless in your STEM career. Creating a career that brings you purpose and joy often requires you to break the mold and have courage to follow your instincts. But if you've spent years studying and training in STEM to get yourself to a good position with decent credentials, the idea of breaking away and doing something different can be terrifying. So what can you do if part of you dreams of doing something different or you feel in your gut that something's not right with your job, but you're scared of losing security or failing if you do something different. Today on Fearless STEM Careers, I want to introduce you to someone who has completely changed the mold, followed their instincts and created a career in life on what they love doing, despite the fears and risks that we all worry about. My guest today is Francesca Curry, who's a full-time artist who's exhibited all across the UK, is a member of the Royal Birmingham Society of Artists and was on Sky's Portrait Artist of the Year 2021. Fran is also one of my absolute best mates and she's been a rock through my entire life. She's been there for every career change and even when I started my business and I'm just honestly so happy to be able to share her with you. Now you might be thinking, oh Hayley, you know, this is a STEM podcast. Why why are you bringing on an artist? Which is true, but one of the main things that helped me break through the mould and kind of create the career that I wanted in STEM was being exposed to different people doing different things. And for me, witnessing Fran build her career as an artist over the past decade and making it successful, even though there have been many failures and many ups and downs for her. It has been so inspirational and has essentially given me evidence and proof that you can live differently. And as a STEM podcast, I want to give you that evidence. So whether or not you want to have a creative career or whether you have big ideas for doing something different, you will learn so much from Fran about being true to you, dealing with the fears, overcoming failures and creating a career that's based on joy. Hello, Fran. Hello, Hayley. I've, I've, I've wanted to do on the show for a long time, actually. I've thought about getting you on the show because you have, I think I've mentioned this before, but you've been like a rock for me throughout all of my craziness of my job changes and career 
challenges myself and it's been great having somebody who's very grounding and somebody who I think and consider as very fearless in their career because you have always always gone after what you want um and what feels right for you and that takes so much strength and having somebody in your life who is rooted in that is such a gift which is why I'm excited to be able to share share you essentially with the with the with the world. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so I thought I've already given the fancy uh, introduction to you. So by now everybody knows you anyway. But I thought we'll just dive right in because this whole season is about finding purpose um, in your career, how to find purpose in your career. And is it even possible to find fulfillment and happiness and purpose in a career? And as an artist and a painter, you're kind of rooted in creativity and rooted in, I guess, uh, something quite deep, maybe. Um, so I thought I'd start with a challenging question of what, what does a... What does purpose mean to you in your work, in your, your career? Um, I think it's a, it's a tricky one because I think originally I wanted to go into something that was um, a bit more altruistic. Um, and so therefore the purpose would have been other people. Um, and I, so I studied politics at Essex to try and do that and then dropped out because I wasn't happy and therefore I couldn't support anybody else mm. so the altruism sort of uh the realization about that was that first of all I think I had to be a painter um in order to sort of be there for people and and yeah for for, for myself so I started doing painting and the purpose of the painting was just to I think be who I am <laughs> um mm. and uh just for the sake of it so I'm incredibly fortunate that I get to paint every day and it keeps me sane um, and I adore it. Um, and I think purpose is a tricky one with that one. But I think what I'd like to do is, uh, with my career is develop it further and hopefully become the kind of painter who can um, shine light on other things that are going around um, mm. and shine light on people who perhaps aren't always seen um, in the same way. So that'd be my future purpose goal. Um, but my current one is just to paint. Oh, that's beautiful. So if you hadn't painted, what do you think you would have done? Um, I think I'd have been very depressed. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I don't know what I'd have done. I'd, I'd have gone on, probably tried to do, to do a lawyer degree or something and then just just wait, sort of, I don't know, struggled. <laughs> I can't struggled. imagine you. <laughs> struggled and been unhappy, but with nice shoes. So that would have been nice. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. The, the idea of you not doing something creative, it just, it feels wrong. It's, it, it, but th th this is the amazing thing though, because yeah, you, you followed exactly what you felt and, you know, quitting politics, what it took a lot of guts. And I know that that was a really challenging time for you to kind of go through that as well. So you know, how long did it take you to get to that realisation of, okay, I'm following a path that isn't right for me? Um, a week. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think um, our, our, both of our, obviously, careers advisor at school, um, yeah. he encouraged not 
for me not to not to do the painting. And I think when I was there, I was, study, I was studying this book on like, um, I don't know, Walter Benjamin or, or Joel Benjamin, I can't even remember his name, a philosopher. And I was mm. watching this ant walk across the page and I was absolutely fascinated by the ant's shadow. <laughs> and I was like, I think I'm doing the wrong, the wrong thing here. Um, and it was quite a dramatic, it was a hard year. And um, because I dropped out, everybody else had moved on, was doing their degrees, was in different cities. Um, and I was, I viewed it as a failure. I, I was like, I, I failed and I'm, I'm yeah. 18 and I've failed. Um, and I think that year was so formative for me of meeting other creative people who had also failed um, yeah. and actually facing that failure that early on meant that I was okay with it because I think when you look at it it's like right well I'm here you know um and what um, yeah. and I think that that was very so now whenever my career is hard I know that I I think I've gone well I hope <laughs> I've gone through <laughs> the, the harder bit of it um yeah. hopefully that's so that's so true that in order to I guess, go after what you want. You need to accept that failure is part of it. And almost the fear of failing. I know that I definitely had this for a very long time that, oh, if you fail, it's so bad. And I think our school kind of imprinted that in us as well. This like, if you, you can't ever fail, but failure is a fact. So if you avoid it your whole life, you don't do anything meaningful or you don't do anything that's genuinely right for you. No, no. And I think... The amount of I, I had a friend who wasn't doing a lot with his life and and I realized it was because he was afraid of failure and I said mm. to him but you you will fail at life <laughs> if you don't <laughs> like do something you know what I mean like it, you're already failing yeah. by not doing the thing by not yes. failing um yes sadly I didn't persuade him round but <laughs> never mind <laughs> it's such a good point because yeah if you're if you're already not doing anything or not doing what you want to do then it isn't that a failure in itself but then failure isn't bad because also learning from that because I remember you know you remember when I was unhappy in my job for so long I knew that ages ago and then it took me a long time to actually take action on it. Yeah, but that's because you were secure. You know, there was there was there was stability there in your life, and I think mm. had I been in your position, I would have certainly questioned it a lot more. I mean, I had nothing to lose, <laughs> so you know, when I went into it, it wasn't like I gave up a job or like you know, yeah. Um, so there was there was there was less, yeah, there was less to lose, and I maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe it didn't. Yeah, um, maybe then. But as I've watched you kind of progress in your career, that like you've built up, you've already built up something incredible. And every single day, what impresses me and always, you know, I'm just in awe of you about is your ability to face these fears consistently. And you fall down and you get back up, you fall down and you get back up. And it's just incredible to watch and to be a part of as well. So how... What have you learned over the years to be able to actually deal with that kind of fear or that uncertainty? Mm. Um, it's been a it's been a harsh lesson, I think, um, and one that you can't really prepare for. Um, I think in the first year, I remember I had like not got into a competition. I had not managed to get. I got rejected from every gallery I applied to. Um, I had like no money left in my account and. 
I would, was lying on the studio floor, just done. Like I was just like, I can't, I just, mm. I just want to, you know, I want to just go and have a glass of wine with a friend, but I can't even afford that. You know, like that kind of, um, thing where it was just like, right, well, and then I thought, right, okay, so you're done. What are you, what are you going to do? And it's like, well, what am I going to do? And so I think I then was like, well, if I give up, then I can't do it. (laughs) So I've got to carry on. And I think that was a real lesson for me because if there's no, if, if, if I don't continue with it, I can't paint and I have to paint. So therefore I have to continue with it. I think the the rejections get softer as well. Like the first one, I think took me like three days to just get over, but now it's it's like well there we go and I have a rule that if I get a rejection I apply to three more thing three more things mm-hmm. um, and I think that that's the reason that I'm as successful as I am um, and I think it's a kind of good ethos because it just it gives you something to do you've got to do it so for mm-hmm. example recently I, I applied to uh, the Mal galleries with a painting it didn't get in. Um, so I applied to something else, uh, an, a different exhibition at the Mal Galleries, and it got in yesterday. And it's the same painting. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just like, right, okay, just, but it's just, it's just determination um, and resilience. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And that, really, I when, when you say that as well, I can link that to kind of doing job interviews or going after a career that you really want, or if you're, you know, working in science and you want to... Um, do something else like one of one of my clients she um she's a scientist but she also um does ceramics so she makes these beautiful cups and um plates and what does she do plates she's probably gonna like message me and be like I don't do plates (laughs) (laughs) but they're stunning (laughs) like teapots and things um and I think part of her challenge and a lot of people's challenge when they're trying to shift from science to something else is okay how do you make it happen but as you say, it's that persistence and facing the, just not giving up. And but- I think with, if, if you were to put it in a sciencey way as well, and as the person who knows <laughs> nothing about science, um, <laughs> I, would, I would say that from the scientists I've spoken to, a lot of their work is about, right, uh, if that doesn't work, we try something else. And you change mm-hmm. one element of the experiment the whole time until you figure out what the result should be. That's yep. exactly what you know, doing a risky job is if, if the experiment goes wrong in science, you don't then go, right, well, I'll never solve that. (laughs) Like like you look at what's worked and you work with that and you change it again. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, yeah, that's probably quite a good metaphor for trying a risky career. Yeah. I love that. I really love that. And I can definitely relate to that as well. Um, cause you know, I, I've tried so many things, like I wanted to be an actress, tried that, didn't happen, thought about doing a master's, tried well no I did do a master's it's PhD tried it a bit didn't do that so uh, but it it evolved each time and you used what you learned like especially in the the acting for example you've used through doing things like this through doing public speaking and that's and that's evolved so it was worth doing yeah and and you can find that in most things that even when you are in a job that you hate or you're in a situation and you probably find this with maybe some of the the um, work that you've done that although it might not be exactly what you want to do there's still something to learn from it and or you don't know yet how it's going to benefit you down the line whether it's you meet somebody and then 
it, maybe you're doing a workshop and you think, oh, this is rubbish, but you end up actually meeting somebody that's unuseful to you. There's always a reason and the purpose um, if you can find it in it. Um, so what, what's one of the kind of scariest things that you've had to kind of face? I know you've got so many. <laughs> yeah. Choose just, one out just, of a million. Just like, yeah, just like a week where they do something that Let, doesn't okay. scare me. Let, let's talk <laughs> like about... Like a gentle week, just in the studio alone. <laughs> Yeah, because realistic, like this month, you were saying to me earlier that you, you've probably done less painting than talks and things, right? So yeah, what, this, this month is an unusual one and I always knew it was going to be knackering. Um, but the self-promotion stuff's important and that's probably the thing I find scarier. So I had to do pub, yeah, two, two, two or three talks this month. The first one I was shaking throughout and then... Mm. Um, I managed to get on top of my nerves this time. And again, that's that kind of trial and error thing. Um, and, but I think the scariest thing in my career was probably the first um, portrait unveiling. Mm-hmm. And not a big one either, because um, I, so I obviously do portraits. I don't know what you said at the start, but I've d- I do portraits uh, and I've done portraits of some big, bigger public figures. And that's a room of an unveiling and that's with the, you know, the red velvet sheet and things. But I think that a time I remember being like, just I remember power posting in the studio before <laughs> um, was. Um, it was power posing. Power Let's posing. try and get an image of this. So, what's your power pose? Please. You do, like, you do like a Superman one with one arm in the air and one hand on the hip, then both hands on the hip. I'm and, then, do this and now. then you and then you then you put one leg forward and forward and lunge like your Jane Fonda in some Lund- sort of 1980s okay. cassette. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and that was so the client had commissioned three portraits of her three sons. Mm. Um, and I think it was it was like my second commission, but I didn't know her, so I knew the first commission, and I knew that they would just be polite and like it anyway. Um, and I was terrified of her coming around and not liking the, the paintings. Um, as it happened, one of them didn't work and she could see that. Um, but actually that was fine. We just did it again. Um, and that's the thing that my worry was she wouldn't like it. She didn't like it. So we did it again and moved on. Um, Mm -hmm. that was early on. That doesn't actually happen just want to clarify I'm, I'm better now <laughs> as a painter <laughs> but um yeah but there, there's two really important things in there right firstly that in order to be great at something you also have to start off not being so great yeah. and that's just part of it yeah. and two that your mind took the worst case situation which was her not liking it and blew it to a I guess, a bigger proportion. So the worst thing happened for you, but actually the consequence of it was fine. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think I've worked a lot on that um, this year in particular, um, because I think my career's reached a point now that it's at the next level, which means that there's a lot more I need to learn again. Um, Mm. And one of the processes that I have to think of is, right, and then what? You know, so, okay, you're going to do a public speech and you're going to shake to the extent that you might knock over your glass of water. And then what? People in the room think you, you don't like public speaking. You know, it doesn't, those kind of, you have to think, I'm trying to think beyond rather than getting in my head about the thing that I'm terrified of. And I think, you know, I did Sky Arts a couple of years ago 
and I was terrified um, because you're getting filmed and you have the potential to ruin your whole career like because you're on television and everybody's going to be watching you. And I thought to myself just oh, no, before... So this was the sorry. Portrait of the Year Awards, yeah, right? Sorry, yeah, sorry, Sky Arts, Portrait Artists of the Year. So it's um, like Bake Off, but for painters on Sky yeah. Arts, basically. Um, and I then realised that I was still painting. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was doing what I love and what I'm good at. It's not like I was teaching English, which, by the way, I would be terrible at, or, you know, doing a science experiment, which would be hilarious. Um, I'm doing <laughs> something that I know and that I love. So mm. it it's okay. And, and, you know, that kind of reassurance to myself, okay, fine, you've got this, you know. Um, yeah, I'm getting better at. So it's out of your comfort zone, but still doing something that you're comfortable with. Also, you did work very hard in pre- preparing before. Yeah, I did. I did a four because uh, you have to do the painting in four hours. I did a four-hour painting a day for a couple of months of every every skin tone, every shape, every gender, every so that I had everybody covered really. So preparation being key. Preparation, yeah. yeah. Preparing so- to the extent that you can, but but not over preparing somebody said to me the other day 80 percent preparation leave 20 percent for flexibility <laughs> which i quite like, I like that. it's the 80 20 rule yeah you can apply that to a lot of things i think yeah i like that um okay so if you if you i mean you meet a lot of people out and about you make friends with everybody <laughs> it's one yeah. of the things i love about you <laughs> so if you met somebody you know down the pub who was like yeah so i work in engineering or i work in science but I kind of hate my job and, you know, I I do a bit of art. I really enjoy it. And I'm thinking about maybe quitting and going for it. What what would you say to them? At that point, they've already made a decision. If they're saying I'm thinking of quitting, then they're already thinking of quitting. Mm-hmm. I think the, the, what people often say is, oh, I wouldn't be brave enough to. And when people say that, then they wouldn't be brave enough to. You know, they're quite right. They're self-aware enough to know that that's not there. Um, but actually, if somebody says, I'm thinking of doing this, then I would I would talk them through it um, if they wanted to. Um, and I'd always want to support anybody going into the arts because fundamentally, I, you know, I believe in the arts. <laughs> um, I would make them very aware of how difficult it is. And I think um, they, if the person just thinks... You know, I mean, you get it all the time. Oh, well, I could do that. You know, they look at Picasso. <laughs> I could paint that, no problem. Um, there's there's a bit of a lack of understanding of the complexity of what goes in <laughs> to a successful artist um, and just how, how from the fact that you're self-employed, so you've got to make yourself get up in the morning, to the fact that you have to learn everything that you don't know. So for me... Um, invoices, tax, um, how to write an email to a business response. You know, there was things in my, in my, um, is it, I can't remember what the word is, but there was so much that I had to learn that I was completely unprepared for going in. Yeah. And I think I want to make it really clear to them that it's not just like blissfully painting all day, every day. It's, um, Hopefully, if you're lucky, it's like 70% painting and 30% admin. Um, But also, if the person felt that it was their calling or if they felt that they they were just unhappy, 
and and I think that's the, then the thing that you've got to weigh up. What are you losing by doing it? Now, if you've got a family and you've got a mortgage and you've got kids that you've got to pay for, I would seriously question doing it because that's, you know, it's a huge risk, but it's not just you then that's involved, it's other people. Mm-hmm. Um, if you um, if you had nothing to lose um, except a good job, but you kind of weren't attached to, you weren't as attached to money as you thought you once were, for example, because mm-hmm. there will be, at least two years where you are earning nothing, um, I suspect. Um, if you've got backup money, you'd be able to manage that a lot better and you'd be able to have help, which would be very helpful. I, it took me, um, how long did it take me? I think it took me four years to begin to make minimum wage. Yeah. Um, now I had no help and I had no knowledge of anything. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't have like anybody who was kind of higher up than me that I could go and speak to. So I've, I was learning everything from scratch, which took, which made it take longer. Yeah. Um, I did swap things like paintings and things to get like search engine optimization and stuff like that. <laughs> um, so I would, I would sit the, per- I would say to the person, "Let's go for a drink sometime," and I'd talk it through with them as thoroughly yeah. as possible to make sure yeah. they were aware of, um, aware of the risk that they were taking. Mm-hmm. But you know, for, for, I mean, four years is still is very good because the average for a startup business is five years before they start making profit. And I think for anything, whenever you're taking a risk, whether it's yeah, going into arts or business, you have to have that plan. And, you know, if you're going, you started pretty much straight from uni. And when I remember in my 20s, I was just happy with, I don't know, being able to buy some posh cheddar or something. You know, you need less, don't you, in your early 20s. But as you say, if you're further on in your life, you have more or you have more responsibility so you've got to weigh that up but equally one thing that is a gift even if you're in a job that you hate you have time and space to be able to save up money so I, I always call it the escape fund um and I think everybody really if you have that kind of insecurity or you don't like it have an escape fund save up every single month even if you don't know what you want to actually do with the money that it's there and then it's a runway for you to be able to kind of you know, survive. So what do you think like a two year escape fund or a runway fund would be? Yeah, I think that would probably be a good plan or, um, you know, going into doing something part time potentially, although it depends on the part time work, because as you know, often the work ends up overtaking and sometimes it doesn't. And it's it's a trickier one. Um, I think if, if you can handle just surviving off very little, um, it's definitely worth it because you don't have to do that for very long in mm. terms of the length of your life. Um, so, you know, obviously um, four years I started earning minimum wage, it was probably six years in that like it began to go above minimum wage. Mm. So it was it was tough and it's been tight. Um, but I know that the, it's growing exponentially. Is that the right word? Now, yeah. so that it, hopefully, you know, I will be set now for the future where I can buy shoes from a shop, which is the, I, I did for the first time this year. So I would say, yes, if you can get that fund together, that'd be a good idea. Um, if you've got a supportive partner who's offering to help you through it as mm. well, because if you've, you know, if you do have a long-term love and you want them to be happy, people do offer that to one another, then take it. Um, and however you can do it, it's worth doing. I think, um, there are people who 
really really work for it you know who work a minimum wage job in the day and then go to college at night and I think Mm -hmm. I, I admire those people so much because that's um absolutely exhausting but again they're thinking of the long-term goal where do I see myself in five years do I want to be doing this yeah and being it's when you do things like that it's a good way to keep the security but also build it on the side because there's always a compromise with everything it's you can keep your full-time job do it on the side but it will take longer if you're happy with it taking longer that's good that's fine it's a good way of doing it if you are the sort of person that needs to go all into something then yeah, you can quit, but maybe have a bit of funding or some money behind you just to set yourself up and and start the process. And one thing that I always tell my clients as well is that if you are an established like scientist or engineer or somebody working in STEM, you already have that skill and you can always go back to it because a lot of people believe, and I was one of these people, I believe that, oh, if I quit my job and have a year off, I won't get hired again. That's not true. In fact, I actually get hired more now because I started all of my STEM stuff um, because companies are interested in that. They're interested in people who diff- do different things outside of their work and they like well-rounded people. So even if it all goes to, I'm, I was going to swear then as well, <laughs> even if it all goes to rubbish, <laughs> then it it, you know you can always go back yeah and not that you would want to and you wouldn't want to and I promise anybody who actually ends up going after what they want they won't go back really no Um, they say you ride it riding the tiger really you can't really get off once you started riding the tiger you've decided yeah you know (laughs) you're on it well you might go back a little bit but you go back on your terms you know you go back as the person in control rather than the person being controlled and I think for you, it's been interesting to watch that happen because that was one of your biggest concerns at the time. And actually, it has, when you have gone for jobs, they really like that you can public speak. They really like that you take initiative. They really, you know, all of those things mm-hmm. that you've learned by being self employed have definitely fed back in to be able to go into something you enjoy more within the STEM world. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was why it was always worth doing. I think I remember. Um, when I worked for a volunteer agency when we were sort of 17, the woman saying, like, you never, just never know where when that is going to be useful. Like mm-hmm. we were doing something really boring, like compliance or something, health and safety. And I was like, this is dull. And she was like, yeah, <laughs> but you never know when it's going to come in handy. And yeah. about 10 years later, I had to write a health and safety form for a workshop in my studio. And I was like, mm, Lisa was right. Lisa was right. This is, you know, and I'm trying to go back to what she said at the time. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think... That's the thing with following what you, if you just follow a little bit of what you feel you need to, that passion shows. Mm. And I think that kind of, um, uh, if you are trying to be true to your truest self, if you're also, I want to say, if you're privileged enough to be able to, because we are talking, you know, people who've got potentially backup funds and all the rest of it, because that's another thing. Um, if you're privileged enough to be able to sort of follow your truest, truest self, other people bounce off that and other people see your passion and other people engage with it and they want to be around you. And that, you know, carries on sort of running by itself as well. Yeah, it's so true. You kind of emit this energy when you're, when you're in the path that you truly want to be in or living, then it's, it's like a beacon almost or a magnet and and I've definitely found that as well, yeah, since since kind of taking, kind of 
not taking control, but following what I want. Yeah, you you meet people along the way, and and that who are the same as well. And you're drawn to each other, and things just happen. Um, uh, almost like magic. Sometimes it's a bit creepy. <laughs> Have you ever had any moments in your career where you're like, God, how did this happen? How did this work out? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Friday night would be. I had a portrait unveiling at a very very nice house in Norfolk. And somebody flew in by a helicopter and I sat there with a glass of moe um, with, with one of my friends. And I was just like, this is unusual. This is, this is, not, this is not how I, um, you know, and I often find myself in situations all the time where I'm like, huh, how did I get here? This, this is... And I text my friend this the other day and he just texts back. I don't know why you're, I don't know why you think this is unusual this is you this is this is what always happens to you it's like okay it's yeah. true I'd agree with that <laughs> yeah. you always have I the best stories in that situation <laughs> yeah I'm me and also I think the best stories is partly because my world covers everyone mm-hmm. so it's not I, I'm not engaging with one type of people I'm I you know um I, I engage with a whole range of people from so it's more so yeah it's constantly interesting <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's an eclectic mix I guess mm, yeah is, yeah so go, going back to um the arts and we, you've used the words calling a few times and that feeling of calling so as somebody who essentially on paper to the outside world is following their calling what does it feel like how do you know um I think uh you can't do anything else. I think would be like what what if I wasn't a painter, what would I be depressed? That wasn't a you know that wasn't a joke. It was yeah. I think it really fundamentally is who I am, and it's how I think. And I remember speaking to somebody once, and they were like, "You don't have to class yourself as an artist as your identity." And I was like, "Then you've really misunderstood me. <laughs> like that is that is who I am. That's who." Um, I think, you know, I'm dyslexic, so struggled a lot with other things. And um, I was always very good at painting. And I remember that from year three. And I remember painting and enjoying it. When I'm doing it, when it's not all the time, because I'm not going to pretend that it's idyllic, but when I'm doing it and I'm doing it well, I get into a state of flow um, where nothing else matters at all. Like I'm just with it and it's with me. Um, and we're engaged with one another. I think I love it also because it doesn't judge me. Like it's, I, I've always think that like it's such my safe space uh, going into the studio. Whatever's happened, mm. I can feel uh, at home um, and at peace. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I just, I just. I'm in love with it, which does mean that sometimes it's problematic and I really hate it. (laughs) (laughs) The complicated relationship. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely in love, definitely married for life. But yeah, sometimes it really annoys me. (laughs) Yeah, because it has, you are one of these people in my life who you knew very early on um, that it was for you, but interestingly didn't follow it immediately, hence the politics. How long did it, out of interest, take you from... You know, you said you realised in a week that politics wasn't right for you, but how long did it take you to kind of act on quitting and going back into art? Um, three, three weeks. So... Um, it was that quick, wasn't it? It was <laughs> that quick, now? yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had to ring my dad to come and get me. Um, 
and we went to the Worcester College to, to apply to do the foundation a, a year uh, late because it was three weeks into the course. And the, the teacher there was a smoker and he had this gruff voice and he just went, why the f- did you do politics when you can paint like this? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know really. And then I didn't, I didn't get that inspired from the foundation year, but the people that I met, um, so Ed, for example, you know, I met that year and we discussed art in a way that I hadn't really before. I think he wanted to be a film. Oh, he is a filmmaker. So he, he managed mm. to follow that through as well. Um, and that was that was really good to be able to meet other people where you weren't sure that your life would be steady. Yeah. Um, and you weren't talking about what career you wanted to go into. You were talking about what art you wanted to explore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. But yeah, three weeks was the turnaround. Three weeks, so not long at all, yeah. So what what would you do if you met somebody who was an exceptional painter who loved painting or, or something creative, but they were kind of in a steady job, um, but didn't have commitments, let's say. Let's say they don't have children, but for some reason they have a mental block and they're they're not they're not doing it for their job. If they it would have to be on them to want to do it as their job. Mm. So I spoke to a friend the other day and she um, she runs um, a furniture label. And I said to her, do you want to... And she has a job as well. And I said, well, you know, this is ways you could do that full-time, running the furniture label. She was like, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? She was like, well, I'm not passionate enough about it. And And that really surprised me. And I've had conversations like that with other people where they've just said, that's not what I want to do. I want a stable job more than I want this. Yeah. So if the person with the stable job who was a natural painter had said, like, after a couple of bottles of wine, maybe, I think I'd really like to be a painter, I just don't have the confidence, then that's one thing. If the person said, I'm just not sure I want that instability in life, then that's another. If they want, they were to want it, then I would say... Um, Think about it carefully. Get that money together if you can. Go part-time to begin with if you've not got the option. Mm. And then I would try and um, give them the tools that I could have done with at the start. So I'd have taught them about being self-employed, as, as we, we've, we've gone through before now. Yeah. Um, uh, giving them the Excel spreadsheet. Um, taught them how to um, do like a newsletter on uh, online for free and taught them about things like uh, ways to frame and ways to promote yourself and ways to apply and apply again and try and if they if I cared about them a lot um if I liked the person I would and they wanted my help if they'd asked for that um then I'd probably try and check in with them once a month or once every few months and make sure that there wasn't anything else they needed because you don't know what you need at the start yes that's that's so true that it's the not knowing and you know anybody who has you in their life to guide them in that way I mean you did it all by yourself (laughs) essentially a lot of it anyway by yourself but yeah so most of what you're saying is that it's the business side because yeah when you're when you're thinking about something creative you probably focus on the idyllic side of oh being in the studio oh doing that which is all wonderful but really there's all the other world associated with making it 
happen, I guess. So there was a book I read, Simple Tax. Whoa, it's a rivet. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, you gave actually, me that one. I do. I love that I book, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it said, um, it's, they, they were saying about, you know, you, you go through these things, you're like, oh, I really want to create and I really want to do this. And he just said, look, it's really simple. No money, no business. Mm-hmm. Meaning no money, no painting, no money, no science, no money, no, you know. And I think yeah. um, that was a bit of a reality hit for me because at the time I was definitely idealistic and like, oh, it'll work out, however it'll work out. And then like, you know, um, broke again. It's, <laughs> you know, it's um, That's been the hardest learning curve for me by far. Um, mm. Yeah, by far. Yeah, and, and, and that is such a good sentence that he said actually no no money no but it's not it's not a business if you're not earning money from something it's a hobby or it's a it's a passion project it's not your job it's not work so you do have to be kind of honest with yourself in the first few years anyway about how you're going to manage your funds and what you're going to do with it but there's no shame in wanting the security as well and that's why you know I did you gave me that tax book. I went freelance. I When I was doing my acting and my presenting, I tried that for, what was it, a year and a half, two years? Yeah, and you budgeted for it as well. I mean, it wasn't like... Yeah, budgeted. But you know what? I struggled to live month to month from paycheck to paycheck. I really struggled with that. And it just wasn't in line with me. I mean, we know me. I like my champagne <laughs> sometimes. And I like... <laughs> and I like being able to buy books and have nice things sometimes um it's just part of who I am and but I'm so glad I went through that process of because you never know unless you do it and you have to do these things to learn out what comfortable what level of risk you're comfortable with um and so that your friend who's got the furniture shop that that kind of awareness self-awareness is fantastic and there's you know what she's doing is still incredible you don't have to always be like oh I'm going to grow this into the multinational huge company for something to be worthwhile um it's about finding the thing that is right for you and doing it in the way that is right for you that's important and that is what being fearless in your career in my opinion is about is about it's not being the perception of what a good career or a good job is it's just about following what's right for you and your gut instinct yeah definitely I think yeah so to kind of and think this has been amazing we should we should we follow this with a bottle of wine later (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing yoga I'm trying to be good I'm trying to be good you you can see how knackered I am from this weekend (laughs) I'm trying to say no I won't have wine I'm doing yoga why because you're too hungover Fran that's why (laughs) Goodness I was going to say, please, please, please don't be that. Don't pretend. We all know. No, I mean, you have been doing a lot of yoga, though. That's true. Yeah, um, uh, and a lot of uh, walking, right? A lot of, You've been a lot doing of walking, walking, a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of self-reflection. It's been a year, I think seven years into my job now. So it's been um, a, a year where a lot's changing quite rapidly. And it's important yeah. to... Basically, it's important not to panic. <laughs> You're <laughs> Which on the, is what... <laughs> actually, yeah, whilst we're on this, what another thing that genuinely holds people back is fear of success. So we talk about fear of failure, but actually fear of success is just as terrifying because it's very overwhelming, the idea of, well, what if it works? 
What if I become successful? What if I end up plastered all across all of the art galleries in the world as a super famous person? Do you have any fear of success? <laughs> just be so relieved. I'd be like, oh, amazing. Um, that's that's my first instinct. But actually, um, yeah, <laughs> um, a friend of mine recently did a, a royal commission and it's got slated by the Daily Mail, which, I mean, ugh, whatever. Um, and I realised that, and I think it's a stunning painting, by the way. It's, I think it's, Is that the, the most recent one without naming names? Yeah. Kate yeah, and William? Yeah. I was going to message you, actually, and be like, oh, what do you think of it? I love it. I thought I it love was beautiful. It. I went and I studied with him, and he's just a really, really, really nice guy. Anyway, it occurred to me, because I've always, as you know, wanted my life goal to paint the Queen, and I'm aware that, that that's, you know pushing it a bit now but um I realized that that's if that's my life goal and actually you reach that point and essentially you're just ready for the ready for the scathing reviews and yeah so that would be my concern that I don't think a portrait of the queen has actually gone down well I realized afterwards it's always like stated like all art has been throughout all of history um whereas for me as a local person in some ways um, people are very nice because they're proud that I'm from their area and, you know, mm-hmm. I don't have that kind of um, harshness. But no, I do not fear success at all. Like I have a really clear plan if things carry on going as well as they are that I'll um, I'll be able to like, fund more projects that I'm passionate about, that I'd be able yeah. to um, support people who perhaps financially couldn't get into the arts because it can be quite a privileged place. Like I've, I've just got loads of ideas of what I do if I'm successful. <laughs> yeah, and and this this is actually the clincher. What what it's that mindset associated with it. So instead of focusing on you solely as a success, successful person, you're focusing more on how you can help others and what you would do with that success. And that that's incredible and that's beautiful. And actually a, a really good book that I read, I'll have to put it in the show notes. Um, You're a badass at making money, I think it's called. I can't remember, but I'll put it, I'll put it in the show notes. It says that a lot of people have a blocker with success and money because they feel like they don't deserve it. And everybody deserves it. Money is like an energy that flows essentially. Um, you can have more of it. There's an abundance of it. It's just often in the wrong hands. But if if you focus less on what you feel you deserve, but more about what you would do with it and how you could help others specifically, that's when the money and the success will come. Um, so I just love that your mindset there is basically that in practice. Um, and I've seen the the money and the success coming to you over the recent years as well, which has been incredible to watch. Thank you. <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> oh, all right. That's <laughs> the embarrassing thanks. So, um, what, what, what? Do you have any last bits of of advice? Maybe two bits of advice. One person advice for somebody who is who wants to find something they're passionate about um, and is currently unhappy in their job. And other bit of advice to an actual person who wants to be an artist if you've got like a couple of pointers so to find your passion I would say um try and really focus on what you want to do not what somebody else suggests you do not what your parents want you to do not what your partner wants you to do you know really think about what makes you happy 
or what keeps you in the moment when you think about it? What calms you down? What do you enjoy thinking about to begin with? And then perhaps try and find a class on that or a workshop on that or a person in that who you can talk to because it just takes one door to be open to find all those other doors. Um, but it does take that one door initially. So that would be, that'd be that. Oh, that's um, amazing. <laughs> that's like a quote and a half, isn't it? Like... Um, I forgot the second question. What's the second question? Oh, if you um, want to be an artist. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you want to be an artist, just start smoking loads. Of, no, <laughs> uh, I think um, if you want to be an artist, um, think about it um, very seriously. Realise that it's not just simple and a idealistic and you're painting all day realize that you've got to be resilient learn how to handle rejection and failure and try to improve your skill as much as you can as well because I mean that I hadn't talked about that at all actually but that you know that first year I was just practicing just getting better and I constantly am but you do need a skill to begin with as well yeah I thought of that so, so what would your if it was kind of three actions do this then do that, then do that. If it can I would be say kind of practice your skill first because you need to have something to work from. I would mm-hmm. say um, uh, don't get hurt by rejection and keep applying to things and make, you know, give yourself that rule of three more, um, three more things for every rejection you get. And I'd say um, try and learn about the business side from somebody because um, mm. you will need that gold right there absolute gold and final question um only because i know that um, my client sophia she or she's now an alumni member but she was looking for a workshop space um and she was struggling because they were really expensive because she needs somewhere to kind of do her ceramics and things what what are the different ways that you can find a space to work in as an artist yeah, I mean, that's just know? an ongoing battle. I mean, there are cheap um, cheap studios in Hackney and shared studios and things like that that you can do. Mm. Um, I've got to be honest, though, I mean, at certain points, one, one point in my career, I was painting in the bathroom. I mean, because just because that was a room separate to my bedroom, you have got to just do it where you can, um, yeah. which does limit the size of the work. Um but yeah, practically, it can be really difficult if you've not got that working space. And London, I mean, that, that'd probably be my first suggestion. Move out of London because you'll be able to afford she, another she's room. A, she's, <laughs> in, she's in Oslo, actually. Oh, um, right. Oh, that's quite pricey too, eh, from what I understand. Yeah. But there's people all over the world, isn't there? But I, I, I love that. You you can't let the practical circumstances get in the way or be a blocker or a barrier this is goes for not just being an artist or a creative it's in anything at all it's easy to have excuses but if you really want to do something you can make it work in in whatever situation I think yeah you just adapt even if yeah you're in your bathroom and you only have half an hour in the morning before you have to kind of run to work that half hour in the bathroom is still better than nothing yeah definitely and I was doing that when I was in London I worked in London for a while after I got got my education um just in an art shop I was getting up at five and doing an hour's drawing before I went to to work um not successfully and it's the reason that I then um moved moved back in with my parents 
for yeah um oh sorry I've lost my train of thought there because I sort of thought about that um never mind we'll ignore that bit sorry <laughs> oh no that's all right but the, but it's the I, I I know what you mean that you you trial you trialed doing that so you trialed yes. the whole getting up early and you found that it didn't work for you and then because of that you looked at your situation you changed it to find a situation that did work so Definitely. that's also being adaptable so you try something yeah. it's like what you were saying before you tried something if it doesn't work you have to try something again if you, that doesn't work you try something else and you keep testing and testing and testing like a scientific experiment until you start hitting on something that starts to work and feel right and feels good for you yeah beautifully explained yeah that is that is it's been uh it's been you know I love you (laughs) (laughs) that's why we've been friends for so long (laughs) it helps (laughs) kind of does help doesn't it Uh, where can people find you if they kind of want to follow your work and and what you're up to yeah um so my name is Francesca Curry f-r-a-n-c-e-s-c-a Curry c-u-r-r-i-e um, and I, pretty much you can Google me and that's my Instagram, my Twitter, my um, Facebook, my website, all of it. So Francesca Curry, artist. Sweet. Cool. And you do uh, occasional workshops as I well? I do occasional sometimes. workshops. Um, I, um, what else do I do? You can see my work at Trinity House Gallery in Broadway. Mm. Um, and you can, if you're in Worcester, you can go into the Guildhall and see my work there. Um, I'm also like quite happy to, uh, if anybody ever wants advice, I'm happy to email. I'm not always quick at getting back because I'd, I'd, I'd keep email time quite strict, but, um, I'm more than happy to help if anybody wants to, anybody wants advice or anything. No, oh, thank you so much. No, you're very welcome. Thank I you for having me. see you and speak to you very soon, I'm sure. Yeah, very soon. <laughs> <laughs> We're almost at the end of the episode. Now, if you're feeling unhappy or uncertain in your current STEM job and unsure whether you should actually stay or leave, I have got a free downloadable quiz for you called Should You Quit Your STEM Job? When you're unhappy in your job, it can feel frustrating and confusing. So this simple quiz based off my decade of experience will help you to create clarity and identify some steps forward. Because let's be honest, you deserve to create a career with purpose where you feel you belong and can make the impact you've always dreamed of. To get the quiz, just head to my website, hayleyloren.com forward slash coaching, and there'll also be a link in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to Fearless STEM Careers. Please do rate us everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, because it would be so appreciated and it genuinely makes a difference. Also, subscribe so you don't actually miss out on any episodes. And I do sometimes post bonus episodes which I would not want you to miss out on if you have any questions at all feel free to reach out on Instagram my handle is at the Hayley Loren and you can also find me on LinkedIn just search Hayley Loren thanks again join me in another two weeks for the next episode and in the meantime be fearless in your STEM career